There's a village in China, and it's a small, tiny little village. It's in a, an area called the, uh, the Shenzhen. And in the 80s, there was about a few hundred people in that city, and that's about all. But in the last three decades, it has blossomed and grown so tremendously. Now, in fact, they call the area the world's art factory. And I don't know if you've heard of this place or not, but it's a town or a series of small towns where there is the basically the factory, the manufacturer of pieces of art, uh, replicas of well-known uh, paintings of Van Gogh's and Da Vinci, Degas, and the pictures of it are amazing. It's these little tiny studios where people live and eat and paint, sometimes families, sometimes different groups of people where they will sit down and paint a, a Van Gogh. They look pretty good. They're not trying to fool anybody. They are just being sold as a really good painting. They're not printed. It's an actual painting, sometimes to the point where three or four people will each paint a separate part of the painting. They've got it down to an art and they're known for doing it pretty quickly. Like they can get orders for like 500 different paintings at a time and they'll turn it around in a month or, or two at the most. And so it's from a documentary and it's just, it's a very interesting city. It's interesting how they live and I'll tie this together for us at the end. So let's move on to what we're talking about a little bit more directly tonight. So we are in our final few verses of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, ending out our, our series, which has been wonderful. We've learned a lot in this book. And so tonight, as we look at these last three verses that Paul wrote, he has a very specific message for us that we'll talk about. So Paul wrote this in response to reports of the church that he had gotten back. Some good reports and some bad reports, it says. Um, the, the good reports were that they were actually growing and doing really well in their faith. They were loving each other and they were faithful. The bad part, though, as Paul realized, was that there was a group of people who were in the church and they were beginning to try to teach false doctrine, basically, that Jesus Christ had returned or was not returning and that there wouldn't be judgment, wouldn't be an issue, and throwing the church into confusion, right? So we remember these, these things. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians 2.15, it, it says, so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold on to what you have, to the traditions that you were taught, so that you would not move astray. So uh, Paul mentions this kind of thing numerous times. You can imagine the pressure that the people were under there as they were trying to remain strong, remain loving, do the Christian thing while uh, surrounded by people who were living exactly the opposite of that and trying to convince them that real Christians, you know, Christians were, didn't have to live like this. So. It was quite a bit of pressure. You can see how that would be a hard situation. Honestly, not too different than what we're living in now with the pressures of our society. Only to get worse, I feel. Probably not better, unless the Lord returns soon. So let's look at this quickly. And we're gonna start with 3.13. So if you have a Bible, you'd open up chapter 3.13. This is what we covered last week. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary 
in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So Paul goes right from that into this beautiful prayer, a greeting and a benediction, which ends everything. So Paul in this letter, you can see the flow of things, but sometimes he talks, he just ends and goes into something else. And I always love that about how Paul writes on occasion. So if you look down at 3.16 through 18, there is a prayer, a final greeting, and a benediction. These pieces are used off and on by Paul to end letters, so nothing really odd about it, but there is something a little unique about one part of it. So we're going to talk about the greeting first, and Paul says in 17, I, Paul, write uh, this greeting with my own hand. This is a sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. So there's some thought that in this particular letter, he actually signed it or wrote this greeting out by his hand. This was a, a letter that was actually uh, written down by a homonousis, a person who was a scribe, and Paul would read it or Paul would, would speak it, and this person would write it down. But every time Paul wrote a letter, it seems like he's alluding to the fact that he put some kind of mark on that letter to let people know this was really me writing this. This was not just anybody. And uh, it even says in part of this, if you go to the earlier chapters, it says that they were getting letters that they thought were from Paul, but were not from him. So he's going out of his way to write this greeting and show to them, this is me. Don't be fooled. I'm the one actually writing this. And people got to recognize his hand, I guess, to some extent. And then in verse 18, there was a benediction, pretty standard with Paul, so typical of him to mention grace in the final line. And it, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you all. And if you're a student of scripture, you'll notice that in many of his letters, especially in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and others, almost every one, I believe, has this sign-off about grace. It is key in Paul's ministry. It's key in his ministry. You just can't get around it. He, it's everywhere. And he's using it to open letters. He's using it to close letters. And it's just a key piece. But our focus this evening is the prayer Paul offers to the Thessalonians. And uh, I want you to do this. There's four prayers actually in this book that Paul in the midst of writing stops and prays for the Thessalonians. These are very significant and you can imagine if you got a letter like this from Paul that he's actually praying these things as he's writing it and probably on an ongoing basis for you. These are the things he thought he wanted to pray for this particular church. So I had an odd experience uh, recently. I was headed to an urgent care, some place I've been recently, last few uh, weeks, and uh, I couldn't find it. It was a new urgent care, and I couldn't find where it was. And so I had to go up to some other stores in the same complex to try to figure out where it was. I parked and went to the third floor. It wasn't there. So anyway, I saw a, a little business. I didn't know what it was. And this business was, was there and there were people, there were lines of people at a counter. And so I said, well, let me just stay here. This is better than anything. I don't want to be late. Let me find out where the urgent care is. Maybe they can tell me. So I'm just standing there. I'm kind of getting the vibe that this is a little different kind of place. Music is 
very mellow. And as the people were walking up closer to the counter, there was talk. I could hear talk of them going, oh, well, we have a winter rest package. And people going, oh, that's interesting. And a total renewal package. And they had these different packages that people could pick from. I didn't know whether these were gifts, what I didn't have any ideas. I got closer. I realized that these were people who were booking massages and uh, they were getting their special rest packages, either to give as gifts or for themselves. And this is what they were doing. So when I got up to the front, I was kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm not here for a package, but I would like to know if you know where the place is I need to go to get some medicine. I, I don't know where. And they said, well, the urgent care is right down this way. Take a left, go to right. And it got right to it. No problem whatsoever. But it was interesting. The whole place was about one thing. It was about rest. It was about peace. It was about contentment and calming music and low lights and pleasing smells. And it was a different kind of place, all wrapped up in one basic category of relax. This is a place where you'd come to relax. They're expensive, these packages, by the way, and, and uh, nothing wrong at all with getting a massage. I, I have not had one. I was surprised at how expensive they were. So my thought was, this costs a, a lot of money. And so I said to myself, well, where's the guarantee that this piece that I get during this time is going to last? If I'm going to pay this kind of money, I want to know that a month from now, I'm still going to feel the piece that you're offering me here in this winter package. But of course, that's not how it works. So my question for you is this, where do you shop for peace? Where do you shop for peace? What's your go-to activity or your thought pattern to relax, your thing that you do to help you deal with anxiety? Where do you shop for peace? Where do you go? Bring those places to mind. I mean, I use all kinds of things, a lot of creative outlets. Sometimes I just wanna look at a book with pictures I love in it, creative things. I also have used food, sweets are big, snacks hiking, nature, drawing. I remember growing up, it used to be all kinds of things that I would do with just going in my room, closing the door, doing creative things. But in 316, if you look at this, we're back to the prayer now, this prayer that he prays at the beginning. And it says this, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. He's using this word peace. In, in Greek, it has quietness at a, as a base or rest or contentment. It can mean reconciliation to God, you know, so spiritual peace is a part of it. In, in Hebrew, a little bit different uh, nuances. It means wholeness and full and finished. So when we look for peace, we, we look for this rest, relaxation, contentment, the opposite of anxiety many times. But Paul's point in this prayer is not what we get it's but the source of the peace, that's the key. And this is where the line is drawn for us as believers. It's not about what we get to give us peace, it's about who we connect to that gives us peace. Key in what Paul teaches, key in what scripture teaches, by the way. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace. It's an interesting phrase, right? Uh, a few times in 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, in, in fact, if you're taking notes, 2.16 says the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
It's an interesting term to say the Lord of peace himself gives you peace. Uh, it's a fuller meaning, by the way, than if Jesus was just the author of peace or handing out little things that gave you peace. The verb points to, to Jesus being peace. He himself is our peace, the ultimate source of peace, the Lord of peace himself. You know him. You know Jesus. This is the person. This is the Lord God Almighty. This is who you know that you can go to. So the first thing we're going to learn about this is that peace has its source in God. There's no other way to look at this for a believer. Peace has its source in God, not in your thoughts, not in your activity, not in your philosophy. It's, it's what all you come to, all of those various things are perfectly fine. But the peace has its source in God. It's supernatural. I think back to Genesis where chaos reigned and it said the spirit hovered over that and there became peace, calm. All order was restored. So you need to know that when we're looking for peace, first of all, it's supernatural. The peace has its source in God alone. And the second thing is, is peace is access through relationship. I love this term that I can't get out of my mind that just says he's the Lord of peace himself. It's, it's like we know him. He's like the one we are connected to. It's this relationship. It's not about the thoughts and the feelings. It's about who. He's giving us the real peace through relationship. It's access through our relationship with him. If we come and go quickly in our relationship with him, we miss it often. I had a crazy week this week, and I've just been sitting in the Lord's presence, thinking about how he's my peace and asking him to be my peace. Often, though, what I do is I ask him if he would, he would take this thing away so it's not so. There's no peace. Or could you deal with this situation and give me some kind of peace in the middle of this situation? It's always connected with something. This says that he's here for us to be our peace. He's here for our peace. He's the one. And this, this giving of peace is not starting or stopping. It's not changing over time. Look at what it says. Unlike the massage people, this says, now may the Lord of peace himself, himself, give you peace at all times in every way. At all times in every way. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. It has the potential to be a consistent thing in our life. Not the ups and downs that we see often in our peace that we feel day to day. It's different. It can be different. Not an activity, not positive thinking, not a philosophy, not going and just saying, the Lord, solve this problem, solve this problem. He's the one. So not seeking the feelings of peace, but seeking the one who is the peace. By the way, this is not new. Throughout scripture, it says things like this, seek my face. Second Chronicles 7.14, Jeremiah 29.13, if you'll seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. In me, you have peace in John 16, 33. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, on God, because he trusts in you. 
Isaiah 26, 3. And then Matthew eleven twenty eight. we know this really well. We use this when we're having crazy, crazy times. Like, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What if our pattern regarding anxiety and our crazy lives we live in, what if our pattern were to change and started with going to God because the Lord Jesus is peace? What if it were to, to, to start with us going and sitting in his presence and laying down our questions, all these things we're trying to ask and sitting with him who is peace? Nothing wrong with asking God for peace in the middle of situations, but I'm wondering what would happen if we changed that pattern and he became the peace. Paul's reminding the Thessalonians that seeking peace, rest, contentment, relief, all things that they were experiencing, by the way, starts with Jesus, who is peace himself. And this peace is, is real. It's long-lasting. It's found in him alone. So remember our story of the town that produces the copies of these masterpieces? At one part in the documentary, uh, the man who is in charge of these factories, and these, I have to say, it's, a, it's sad to see sort of how they have to work. Very few smiles. It's a brutal country in running these factories, even though they're painting all day long. They have many deadlines, and it's hard. But there's one guy who they interview who's sort of in control of these, and he goes around, he says, okay, that Van Gogh, this is, you know, if you're going to paint a sunflower like he painted it, you have to do this, you have to, he's knowledgeable about it. He sells a lot of these to the Netherlands, and his client in the Netherlands said to this man, I'd love to have you come to the Netherlands. I will pay all your expenses. If you can just get the flight here and back, I, I will have you over here to pay all your expenses to come for a visit. And you can see the man longing to go to the Netherlands. And he says one thing at the end. He says, I would love to go. He says, because I would really like to see what a real Van Gogh looks like. He'd never seen what the real painting looks like. Pictures, he'd never seen a real painting. He only had what was a representation, which is his whole life he was representing the beauty of, of Van Gogh. He longed to go and get the real thing. I think that's one of the things that Paul is trying to tell us is our application tonight is the things, the copies, all the things that surround us that may help with our lives that are filled with anxiousness, if they are. All of those things are copies. And all the things that we try to put in there, right? All the things that we try to put in there to solve this issue, they're all copies. And Paul is pointing to the fact that the real peace is found in Jesus alone as our source. He gives us the real peace that we are looking for. You will not find it anywhere else, not in a long-lasting way anyway. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness, your graciousness, and Lord, as we end, I want to pray this as a blessing over everyone here 
that we would know this verse. It would be in our hearts and that we would seek the Lord Jesus for him to be our peace. And we would lay down all the things that maybe we have lifted up to try to give us the peace that only he can give. So if you'd bow your heads, all of us, and I'm going to pray this. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Father, we pray these things in the name of the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus. Amen. If you were moved by today's message, that was the Holy Spirit wooing you to himself. God created the entire universe so that he could be in relationship with us, so that he could be in relationship with you. His son came to the earth. Though he was completely without sin, he died the death of a sinner, took all of our sins upon himself, and was resurrected so that we could have eternal life. All we need to do is accept what he did for us. You can find out more at westchesterchapel.org forward slash salvation. But why not pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering and dying for me. Thank you that your death atoned for everything that I've done to separate me from you. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and Holy Spirit, come into my life and empower me to live for you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to know about it. Please send an email to info at westchesterchapel.org. Now, our website is under construction right now, so these links may or may not work. But if you go to westchesterchapel.blogspot.com, in the right-hand column, you'll see an article on salvation and a way to get in touch there. If you live in or near Westchester County, we hope you'll join us. Find out when we're meeting at westchesterchapel.org. Again, that website may be under construction, but be patient with us. Also, if you're outside of the area, you can join us on Zoom, and that info will be there as well. But we do encourage you to get plugged into a local body of Christ-centered, Bible-believing Christians. Lord bless you.